All right, everybody, it's me, George Becknell, and I'm back with another episode of the Highly Opinionated Podcast. I got the CEO of C2 Sports to join us, Paul Darisell, and we're going to talk about his clients, the upcoming draft, and we will also discuss a little bit NBA hoops for y'all. So we got all that right after this. everybody i'm back i have another episode of the highly opinionated podcast for you guys it's a special episode because i invited a good friend of mine one of the more brilliant uh younger sports minds out right now my brother paul darisell from c2 sports agency the ceo of c2 sports agency paul what's going on bro what's up man how are you brother Man, bro, I'm 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 cooling, man. I'm just trying to find balance in this new in this new sense of normal, bro. What about you? I'm the same, man. I'm day thirty six, no haircut, no sign of anytime soon. So just just hey, but you know, with everything that's going on in the world, man, I'm just happy to have my health right now. I'm praying that, you know, everybody in the world is safe, specifically my people and everybody. That I, that I really love and care about hopefully everybody's just making so cute that mentally staying mentally strong through all of this that's all we can do right that, that, that's it bro that's it man so you know, everybody's been quarantined, but at least you should be. And uh, to echo what you're, what you're saying, you know, please be safe, everybody. I encourage you to stay inside as much as possible. So being that we're inside, what have you been doing uh, to keep big, to keep busy, bro? Man, well, you know, I'm still working from home, obviously. So I'm working, handling work, doing a lot of heavy space time with my daughter, watching a lot of Netflix, Hulu, your, your ESPN account that you still gave me the passwords. So, <laughs> so uh, just doing a lot of that, man. Trying to do and pushing for truth. So that I don't come out of this quarantine looking like a middle linebacker. That's, that's pretty much it, man. Just trying to get some reading done. Working on stuff in my relationship with God. And obviously, just football stuff with, with this draft coming up trying to navigate through that. Okay, okay. Well, I, I definitely want to dive into this draft, bro. I got I got a lot to, to ask you about. But first, I want to congratulate you, man, because, you know, I, we've already talked about this off air, but you're coming off your first Pro Bowl year, man. Uh, DJ Chark, man, uh, one, one of the gentlemen you represent, Made made his first Pro Bowl this year, man. So congratulations on that. But uh, I, tell the people about your experience with the Pro Bowl and uh, how, how, just how was that whole process? How did that feel? Man, it was uh, the Pro Bowl situation was, was great. Obviously, I was you know, we don't have a chance. I don't have a chance to get out there if it's if it's not 
for DJ having almost 73 catches, 1,080 yards, eight touchdowns. He had himself a, a really good second year, so none of that, none of that is possible. So, you know, he didn't make it on the initial ballot, but he was a top awesome, like second or third in line. So, uh, that went, Hopkins went down, and then if the Chiefs were to win and go to the Super Bowl, that was the AFC Championship again, he was going to go because he was taking Tariq Hill's place. So, man, watching the game, and looking like the Chiefs, you know, Chiefs start making a start making a move. They were playing some good ball against the Titans, uh, and DJ got a text from his uh, SI uh, Sports Information Director and told him he was going to Orlando. So, at that point, when he hit me up, asked me if I wanted to go, and, and his parents, you know, their first time flying, for real, you know, they only like to drive, so they drove down to Dallas, we all got on a plane, and, and flew to Orlando together, man, it was an unreal experience, man, one of the, one of the best experiences I've had, you, you stand in the, the hotel, all the other pro bowlers are there, just walking around, you ran with Drew Brees playing ping pong, you know, with his family, it's pretty cool. It's it's it's, it's a um, a surreal experience, man. I was like thrilled. Oh man, and I, I can't say enough about you, man. Uh, we will get to DJ in a second because uh, he deserves kudos as well, obviously. But I, I saw you go through your process, brother. Like I remember when you was studying to get, you know, I remember you was passing the bar, you know, and to see you go from that to where you are now, man. Like. That's that's big stuff, man. You know, so let's let's just talk. I, I want to hear about how you got to this point. You know, right now you got two guys that that probably will be draft picks this year. Um, tell tell me a little bit about your process. Where you go from pivoting from your law career to now you're one of the upcoming sports agents in the country, man. Well, I appreciate that, man. I don't know. If- in the country just yet, but you know, I just got my head down and keep working. But I, I say that, you know, my process, you know, it's a lot of, of just belief and faith and, you know, maybe some unwarranted confidence the hit that you can do it, you know, in order to be great you or want to be great you have to be a little bit delusional, right? And think that you can overcome anything. So early on, it, it was it was difficult because you know, a lot of these larger agencies, you know, you just don't have enough ammunition to compete with them. I mean, some guys, you know, you can do a great job, build a great rapport, great relationship, and they just not gonna go with you. So I think over time, I learned and I just kept adapting and trying to force myself to get better and realize what I could offer and bring to the table. But at the end of the day, George, this is one of those businesses that if you look at any major agent who's made it, Every single one of them had to start somewhere. You know, they, they had that one person that believed in them, believed in them, gave them an opportunity. And you know, luckily for me, you know, my first major break came in 2018. When, you know, DJ and I got through the process together and went second round a lot higher than people thought we would. And you know, from there, I'm not saying it becomes easier, but you know, when you do have a guy that people know, a guy that's done exceptionally well, you. You, you continue to evolve and it becomes a little easier to see in the living room when you can point to some success that you've attained. Hey, man, that's that's real stuff, man. I, I wonder, like, what is it about you where you can you have this amazing eye for talent? 
You know, because I remember way back when you and I had a conversation and at the time, because LSU always puts out great receivers, right? And at the time, there was uh, Traven Durrell on the roster. Um, you had Malachi Dupree on the roster. And you looked at me and you would say, DJ is going to be the guy to go furthest out of everybody. So, so and you know, that's no knock on those guys. Not at all. Malachi. Is a, is a spectacular talent as his trading flight derail. He's a he's a great player. But when you saw DJ man, I think what I saw first of all was just the frame, you know, six three, six four, wiry, you know he was strong, you could see it, but you could just see his ceiling that and, and you knew he was gonna run a four three. You know, I knew if nothing else, right? See if nothing else he got a four three, but and you saw the work ethic. So a lot of it was the raw talent, but then, you know, as I got to know the kid, have more conversation with his family and see how he was raised, you know he had that dog in him. Like, you knew it. You know, he didn't come in as the highest childhood recruit or anything, so you saw that it was in him, man. And then he just kept getting better year after year, you know. When sophomore year, first time he touched the ball, he took a 79 yards for a touchdown. Right? Yeah, right. His junior year, they threw the ball a little bit more, comes back with 500 yards, and actually he had thoughts of coming out there. But he made the correct decision in going back, you know, water number seven showed that he was the guy, man. So I wouldn't say that I had like just a super elite eye for talent. It's just that for one, I'm smart enough to surround myself with people who have a good eye for talent. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to the shame of boy. I'll talk to just different people who I've, I've gotten to know over the years and ask them what they think about a guy. And most times they'll give me their honest opinions. And, and from there, I'll make a decision as to whether you know, we're going to recruit him and pursue him. And, you know, things work out. You're in a great position. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and, you know, talk to me a little bit more about DJ, bro. Because, you, you, you know, you were right. He made a hell of an improvement each year at LSU to where, yeah, they gave him the number seven jersey. They're just not giving random guys number seven jersey at LSU. So, and he deserved that number seven. So that shows you what he did in college. But I want to talk about what he did in Jacksonville. You know, look, you look at his first year, you know, he wasn't targeted a whole lot. He, he played a lot of special teams. He played well on special teams. And then last year, he's a – He's a number one receiver. Like, there's no doubt he's that guy at Jacksonville. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, well, like, so what What? What happened there? Like, what? how did he go from kind of playing on special teams to make the roster to where now he's the guy and it's not even close? Well, I think, you know, George, when you talk about his first year, you have to understand that with a rookie wide receiver, there's a, there's a um, very high learning curve, right? Right. It's just pretty steep. So nine times out of ten, you're not going to come into the league and dominate as a first year. It's so it's so different, right? Mm -hmm. So he got in there his first year, showed flashes, obviously. <clears throat> like he 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 played special teams as you said. He got in. He had 13 catches, I think, his first year. Not many targets. I think the first time he touched the ball, he fumbled. I think his first catch was against the Patriots, and he actually fumbled mm -hmm. with a 13 yard catch. But I think it was just him the game slowed down a little bit for him as he got a better grasp of the playbook and got more comfortable just with being a pro you know that you know he just turned 22 years old and he's very mature for his age but it's still you know you're growing you're in a new town you're all by yourself and he, he just had to grow and so what he did was by playing so hard on special teams and doing such a good job you know as a second round pick 
he took pride in special teams. And the thing about playing special teams is that you, you get to know everybody on the team because there's defensive guys on special teams, there's wide receivers, DBs, you know, everybody, linebackers. So those guys kind of, he earned a lot of respect in that locker room. Even though, you know, you look at his stats, he didn't have a big year. And you get on the website, Twitter, people calling him a bus. And just, he didn't, he, he knew better and his team believed in him. And then in that offseason, he came to Dallas uh, late February, early March, man, and he put in work. I mean, he got with D-Rob, a guy who works with a lot of the wide receivers, and he put in work, and you could just see he had that look in his eye. And he had a really good camp. And, you know, first game of the season, he caught his first career touchdown from Nick Foles. And, you know, Foles went down. But if anybody's <laughs> going to put up numbers, with, with, irrespective of who is that quarterback, his DJ, you know, you way back from the LSU, whoever out there throwing the ball, he's going to make a play. So he ended up building a good rapport with Minshew and, was able to put up over a thousand yards, and it could have been more than a thousand yards because he missed the game or two. Correct. Yeah, I mean he sure did, and and that's a great point too because you know you got a lot of guys in the NFL who make a career off of playing with good quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Um, and and I'm not knocking anybody. You know, one of my favorite guys of all time, Marcus Colston, you know, had the extreme blessing of playing every season with Drew Brees, and he made a good living from playing with an elite level quarterback, you know, and DJ has never had that. Um, not sure if he's going to have it this year, but, you know, just that, that says a lot about his work ethic. It says a lot about who he is as a receiver to still be able to put up big numbers without that kind of luxury. So, um, you know, that's a great point. I think he the thing about it is, you know, obviously, Drew Brees and, and a lot of those quarterbacks that you mentioned, those guys are generational talents, right? Correct. Anybody who's playing in the NFL, the quarterback is a competent quarterback. So, you know, Foles is a guy that, you know, we felt DJ would have a pretty big year with. And then Minshew came in there, and they built a good rapport. And, I mean, Minshew's trending, his, his trajectory, he's heading up. So, you know, year from now, we might talk about him in the same vein that we talk about you know, that upper echelon group of quarterbacks right now that everybody kind of, you know, when you talk about those top five guys, it's the same guys. Well, all of a sudden, so, but I think with DJ is just, he's always going to get separation. He makes it easy for the quarterback, right? He's always going to get separation. Correct. He's going to fight for those 50-50 balls, and he's going he's gonna to be in the correct place and run precise and disciplined routes. And that's what he really, really improved on, George, his route running has improved tremendously. So, you know, if the quarterback is mentioned, whoever it is, we're not expecting his numbers to go down. You know, we don't expect the quarterback play to dictate it. But, you know, DJ has that mindset that he's going to go out there. You know, he started to believe that he's elite. And if you're an elite receiver, you can put up numbers, you know, no matter the system, no matter quarterback, you're just going to go out there and ball out. And that's his mentality right now. Now, man, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad you said that, man, because, you know, Coming out of LSU, you know, and, and, and it's no secret to anybody that I'm an LSU fan, so I watch every LSU football game. Um, coming out of LSU, people labeled DJ as a speed guy, and I knew they were wrong. You know, I watched him every game. So I knew that he's a very, very underrated route runner just because he runs a 4-3. You know what I mean? Like when somebody comes out of college and they're running a 4-3, you just assume that, hey, he's going to run a bunch of nine routes. Well, nah, this brother can run routes too. And I'm glad that you mentioned that. And I feel like the more he gets, you know, the more spotlight he gets, the more people are going to see that he's actually a complete wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, 
Absolutely. He's, he's a complete wide receiver. It's like, you know, when guys like Zach Levine, right, in the slam dunk contest, people don't realize that he's shooting the NBA three like that 40% clip. Right. It's just, that's where he got his name. You know, you run a fourth and four at the combine, people automatically assume you're a speed receiver. Yeah, but, you know, one thing about LSU is that people already talk about a lot of it. Receivers come out NFL already because they have a, a pretty complete route tree. So he's always had a complete route tree. Now it's just about the little nuances of route running, right? Finishing correctly at the top of his route, not tipping off. He's 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 such a student for the game now. He's taking that challenge of you know what I want to show him he's route runner. He's all he's already an elite blocker. He, he wants to show that I can line up with a slide. I can show up and, and line up outside. So. He, it's a quiet confidence with him, but you know, there's a there's a, a internal belief that he's a good young wide receiver in the league. He, he won't come out and say it. He won't come out and tweet it. He'll just put in the work and, and know that he belongs. And I think that him going to the Pro Bowl last year was really big for him, you know, to be around those guys that he looked up to his whole life and sit in the same room with. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I'm a big Michael Jordan fan. And one thing Michael Jordan would talk about when he was asked about being on the 92 Olympic team was looking at those guys he competed against and seeing their process. You know, that, yep. that, that, that was bigger for him than like being on the quote unquote Olympic team. Right. So I think, you know, a guy like DJ for him to kind of be around some of these guys who maybe already labeled elite, you know, it's a good measuring stick for him to kind of be around, see what their process is too. No, absolutely. And you know, he's also a good mentorship. With the Jags, when D.D. Westbrook has been a guy, you know, who's been very good for that locker room. Keaton Cole, uh, Chris Conley was a vet. So, you know, uh, Khalid Campbell, you know, the receiver, he, Nick Foles. You got to see how those guys approach the game and carry themselves like professionals. And he, he's one of those guys, you know, he's a, he's a leader of that team, man. And then his future is super bright. And it's, it's really exciting. It's really exciting to see, to see what he's become. But it's, I'm not the least bit surprised. Yeah, man, I, I'm not either, and I'm I'm happy that he's uh that that he's getting his due, man. And uh, congratulations to him on a big season. I expect even bigger things from him because I see him on an upward uh, trajectory. But uh, I kind of want to transition to somebody who looks to be in DJ shoes one day. Talk to me a little bit about Kirk Merritt, man. He he was a name that that wasn't really known. But now, all of a sudden, you know, you see some of his measurables, and he's got to be in high demand. Like, like, talk to talk to me about this brother. Yeah, man. So, five oh four guy. You know, he's from a uh, different hand. That's it. And uh, man, the, the the guy is just as an elite athlete, but as good of an athlete as he puts in the work. And so, uh, was that Orton? This was out of high school, Nike Spark champion, one of the most athletic people in the world, right, all around. And to leave Aiden and go to Juco, went to Juco route for you, ended up in Arkansas State, where, you know, no matter where you lined him up, he was going to make a play. He'd come out the backfield, out the slot, go run a low 4-2, 4-3, block you, jump over you. But he's like, he's like a superhero, man, and I'm not even exaggerating. 46, 47 inch vertical. His testing numbers are ridiculous, but he's not one of those guys who just tests for it. Like his film matches up. His film matches up. He's a, he's a special talent, man. Nah, man, I'm looking at some of these measurables, bro. Like a four three three forty and a twenty and twenty three reps on the bench press, man. That's 
that's absurd. Like, <laughs> like that's absurd, bro. And then then you mentioned his vertical. It's like, what can't this guy do? So, you know, talk to me about like maybe a comparable. Like, like who who do you think of when you watching Kirk Merritt play? Like who who does he remind you of? I would say a faster Debo Samuels. Mm. Debo Samuels made some made, made some noise last year to the point where 49ers didn't reside Emmanuel Sanders. Thank you, 49ers. But uh, Debo Sanders played really, really well. So we can expect that that type of production from Kurt Merritt. I, I, I mean, in time, I think so. Mm-hmm. He, it, a lot of what happens to you in the NFL is uh, predicated on what team you go to, what type that's, of system. That's true. Right? That's very true. So, but I have no, make no doubt about it. Wherever he goes, he's going to excel. And um, I, I would expect him to have, you know, whatever, when he get on the roster, he's a guy that's going to play special teams. He's going to return kicks, return parts, play gunner on special teams, go out and hit people. So he's just one of those guys you want in the locker room, man. And um, I know, if I know anything about him, all he's going to do is sit, work out, play video games, and mind his business. He's a, uh, he's an agent's dream to have as a client. Oh yeah, man. Because you, you see, you see guys in the news, you know, I, and and a lot of times it's unfair, right? You know, like like these athletes are under a spotlight, and you, you see guys getting in trouble or getting criticized for some of the smallest things. Like for example, I, I heard the other day that Dak Prescott got in trouble for throwing the party in this quote unquote quarantine, right? So it must be. To your point, it must be an, an agent's dream to to have a guy who likes to work hard and just stay to himself and just, you know, handle his business on the field. Yeah, man, and he's, he's been busy. You know, after those numbers dropped, you know, people knew about him. And, you know, and having his own pro day and us disseminating his information to those different teams, you know, there's a lot of teams. You know, obviously I can't speak to us for which team, but it's been, it's been a busy week. Absolutely. Hunters from Southern University. Big time, six four guy, four four guy. He can play football, man. If you watch Southern play all year, the first person that pops out on the film is gonna be number four. And um in light of everything that's happened with the coronavirus and you know, he's missed out on certain opportunities that he should have got, you know, having a pro day and things like that. But whatever team gets him he gets in the camp, you can look for like a Marcus Colston type. Um Ascension wherever he goes. Now, man, that that's a great comparison, man. I definitely was gonna bring up Hunter, man. Uh, you know, for both of these guys, I just feel like you know 
they they didn't come from bigger schools, you know. So so I felt like that pro day was going to be very very important for them because you know, it's not like the DJ situation, right? DJ was playing on national TV every week. These guys didn't have that luxury. So, you know, number one, first question to you, obviously you uh you went to Southern University, so Southern University sports, you're, you're actually a swag champion. People don't know that. But, uh, hey, you know, I, hey, hey, man, I had to put that out there, bro. I had to brag on, you got to brag on your people. But look, but, you know, so obviously uh, that's how you, you know, being close to the university, that's how you, you found Hunter. But how, how did you find Kirk, man? Like, how, how did that... How did that? Well, yeah, I found Hunter because uh, you know I knew his brother. His brother graduated law school a little bit after me, so I, I didn't know it about him just from being from Louisiana. You know, he was a, a high, a highly talented recruit out of high school. He ended up signing with Minnesota and ended up leaving Minnesota. But as far as Kurt, I mean, once again, everybody knew about Kurt. Kurt was one of the top players in the country, and actually Shane LeBoy, who's uh, you know my director of player personnel. Also, you know, my prayer partner, also my line brother, he told me about him and, you know, he put him on my radar and I, you know, you, I, I knew what I had to do. So I um, reached out to him, had a couple of conversations with him, season was over, I flew out to New Orleans on a flight, wore a suit, did what I had to be done, came back, was coming with us. So that, that was what we did, man, as far as Kirk, man, met his parents, met his family. Good, good, good people, and we had good, good vibes from the moment we met. Yeah, man, that's that's, that's dope, man. So, you know, you mentioned you your suit, man. You still tying the Windsor knots, bro? That's that's that that's your not look, a choice. Man, look, hey, I mean the Windsor knots are a little smaller. No, look, the suits are a lot smaller. True, now, George, you be proud of that, man. We're not wearing the big KNG uh, NBA <laughs> 2000 dress. <laughs> no, 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 LeBron James, Carmelo in suit. We're not, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> The suit game getting a little better. I get a couple more guys in the league, and, and uh, you know I can kind of get the suits like uh, like Ghost on Power. Oh oh. The getting shot part. Hey man, yeah, yeah, stay stay not shot, bro. But yeah, ghost used to be fresh, man. White shirt every day, man. Classic. Classic, man. Classic. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, but but back to back to Kirk and Hunter, man. Um. You know, talk to me about what were you able to do for these guys being that they didn't have a pro day or they didn't have the traditional pro day due to the coronavirus. What did that look like? Yeah, man, I mean, it looks terrible. Right? Like, I'm not even allowed to draw that birthday and all this stuff happening. I, you know, I had to be calm in front of them. And, you know, you're looking at your age and like, everything's going to be okay, right? Right. And I had, I had a whole meltdown. I'm not even allowed to you. Like, it was, it was bad. I was just frustrated, I was, you know, upset. I didn't do everything right, and things are finally going the way we needed to go. And you know, you don't have a pro day, so I mean, all we could do was just get on the phone. And first thing I had to do was check to see whether teams would even accept those numbers, right? Like, sure. Because you know, if I could do my forty in the backyard, I'm gonna run a four three. <laughs> so, and, and I'm running a full four. Yeah, you're in four 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 six. Good guy. But, <laughs> so, you know, in, in doing that, man, we had to 
first of all, just reach out to different people. And, you know, the good thing is that we were up, because almost everybody was in the same boat, because almost every pro day got canceled for the most part, except unless you get a really, really early March one. So what we did was find a, a retired NFL scout that had a great rapport within the scouting community. And, and had to find a facility and to get somebody that would verify the numbers and he had to get, you know, sign it. Almost like an affidavit, right? Mm-hmm. And we got it done, man, in conjunction with Michael Johnson, like where he squared, he trained it. And so I got Kirk in and I had to, you know, hustle to get Hunter in because Hunter didn't train that. But, you know, as those people are good people there. They want to help everybody get an opportunity. So we got him there, man, and that's how we did it. We just had, just had a pro day. Went out there, ran, jumped, you know, Eight wing stop after it was a cool day. Man, wing stop's always a cool choice, bro. But you know, I, I got one more question when it comes to Hunter and Kirk, man. And you know, obviously, you know, like going back to going back to you know your your guys. You know, another way they're you know they're different from DJ. Like we talked about, DJ played on national TV every week. He played in the SEC, so there was no question what you saw because he was playing against the highest level competition. What would you say to somebody who's asking you about Hunter and Kirk and how good they'll be against NFL competition being that they came from smaller schools? I mean, that's a great question, George. That's what happened with a small school guy, right? Right. Kirk is a lot easier because Kirk can play against, you know, bigger competition. You know, I mean, A&M, he would have been starting, you know, prior to you know, have a little incident there. But Arkansas State plays a big boy schedule. Alabama, they, they play some good teams over the years. So Kirk is going to be able to answer that. He went to the NFL PA game, played against the quote unquote bigger competition. None of the DBs could stay with him. Hunter's situation, watch the film. He played Benford's a top 25 team this year. Hunter had two, three catches, but he was open the entire game. Like, I don't care what DB you are, what school. I'm, I'm always been on Hunter, like, 6'4", and can run, and runs good routes. So, it's not what you can do with, with Hunter. So, and then Hunter also participated in the college career. I show because a pretty good all-star game in Dallas, with the first of which, you know, they had guys get drafted every year out of there. So, he's lining up against DBs from Utah. All these big P5 schools, right, which is Power 5 conferences, and he, he was dominant. So they watch that film, and you see the traits, and you give them opportunity in camp and line them up against whoever you want to, they're going to be a problem. Yeah, man, I, I, I agree. Um, I, I just wanted to hear you, you know, comment on that. Uh, best of luck to to Hunter and Kirk, man. I, I think they'll they'll make great professionals. I, I think whoever gets those guys in their camp will be very, very fortunate to have those, to have those guys. So, you know, great luck to them. Um, but I'm going to shift gears. Oh, it's my pleasure, brother. But I'm going to shift gears a little bit, you know, because now, you know, we talked about your business, right? But you have always been a big NBA fan, you know, from the from okay. whenever whenever I met you, you was big in the NBA. We've always talked about NBA. So I need to get your thoughts of what should Adam Silver and the NBA do uh, about this season? Should they finish it? Should they not finish it? If they do finish it, what does that look like in your opinion? Basketball guys, I am, bro. I, I don't think they should finish it. I think there's 
too much. Like I think just trying to get the logistics together, getting those guys back in basketball shape becomes an injury risk. We still don't know what this epidemic is going to do. There's so much uncertainty, man. That I was at all time. Like I love sports. I love ball more than as much as anybody, man. Like this was supposed to be starting playoffs next week. Right. You know, I, I just I can't see it where it's feasible right now. I mean, what are your thoughts? Well. I'd like to see them finish it. Um, I hate, you know, seasons where you, you don't have a champion, right? It kind of reminds me of that 94 uh, strike baseball season where nobody won the World Series. Um, I'd hate to see that happen. Um, I think there's a way for the for for the NBA to figure it out, um, especially since they were able to get all the players tested so quickly. Um, I, I think that you have to play it without fans. You know, I think right now as a country, um, we need sports. Uh, I think, you know, sports gives that healing. Sports gives hope for people. And I think they should finish it. Um, it's going to look completely different. I think you finish it without fans. Um, I think you cut back some of the games that that's left in the regular season that wasn't played. And I think you shorten the series. But I, I, I would look forward to, you know, having a champion and having at least some sense of normalcy for everybody who, who's a basketball fan. You see, man, I just, all right, so let's say you do win a championship this year, right? Mm-hmm. Well, say LeBron gets one. You, you already know what's going to happen. Oh, it's an asterisk because he didn't have to play on the road and, and you know, deal with, the fan is gonna be something, man. And I, I don't like the whole way of sitting the butts. Like, you know, the Lakers win the championship, right? Um, uh, they, but they wouldn't have won it you know, had they go on the road and, you know, game seven, you know, there's no fans and there's no adversity. So I'd rather just not have a champion, man, than have a championship with, with a asterisk or this caveat. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I think I think that's a great point, you know, because, you know, you bring up LeBron, right? And everybody, like, he's the most scrutinized player maybe ever. Like, like in my opinion, he's the most scrutinized great player that I've seen, you know? And I'm, I'm not trying to act like I'm independent of that because I've had my own criticisms of LeBron um, over the years. But, you know, Kobe, outside of, outside of like, you know, that that incident, Kobe wasn't, wasn't that criticized, I don't feel like, like LeBron was. You know what I'm saying? Or like Michael Jordan, outside his, maybe his gambling, was never criticized like LeBron. So, does LeBron need this title? Does LeBron need another title for his legacy, in your opinion? No. No, LeBron doesn't need another title for his legacy. It's, it's cemented. It, it was cemented. I even think, for sure, that he wanted a Cleveland and Pete Golden State. Like, there, there didn't be no attacking his legacy after that. You know, you could find something with the Miami Rings, right? But for, for him to do what he did, come back from 3 1, win a game five on the road, and a game seven on the road. Come on, man. Like, you can't take his legacy anymore. All he's doing now is just putting putting more, what you call it, more, uh, more toppings on the pizza. You know? <laughs> Bro, that's a great analogy. I like it. It's, it's, it's his legacy is submitted. He's an all-time great. 
Okay. So, where does he fall for you? Where do I put him? Where, where does he? Where does he? Where do you put him? Well, you know, it's hard to compare errors, bro. It is. Definitely in my top five. De oh, definitely top five? Okay. He, he's definitely in my top five. Um, you know, the, the Kobe, it's hard with Kobe, man. Kobe's my guy. I'm a Kobe guy, so I don't know how to be objective when it comes to Kobe. So it's unfair for me to try to look at But the fact that I even have a tough time distinguishing them, that lets you know how great LeBron is. Mm -hmm. and I, I, he's special. I mean, the vision. The ability to get to the goal makes the teammates better. He's I mean, the only person who really hates on LeBron for real consistently is Skip Bayless, and that pays the bills for him. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, Le LeBron doesn't deserve to be, like, consistently hated on. I think, for me, my only criticism of LeBron ever was maybe some of his unwillingness to take the big shots at times. But other than that, you know, LeBron as a player – he might be the most skilled player ever. He's a bigger, faster, stronger Scottie Pippen who has the longest prime I've ever seen of anybody in any sport in my life. Like, he's been able to play at a high level for a longer time than anybody. Um, what, year 18 right now? I think it's 17. 17? Yeah, it's Yeah, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, he's if he continues to stay healthy, he's going to break every record. Like, he's going to break Kareem's records. So, yeah. and so, you know, I, I think he does get a lot of crap, but, you know, it's always fun to compare him. You know what I mean? Uh, for me, I, he, he's, he's top 10 for sure. He might be in the top five. Uh, I still, you know, Obviously, I can't put him over MJ. MJ is my guy. I might be a little, I might be a little biased when it comes to MJ, but I just don't see anybody being greater than MJ. And honestly, you know, I don't think he's crossed over Kobe yet. You know, Kobe Bryant for me is one of the most mechanic, mechanically sound players I've ever seen in my life. Was impeccable. Might have been the best football ever. Was not ever a freak athlete though? In the way Mike was, right? So a lot of him kids with girls, he started learning how to get angles and find this spot on the court, those elbows, that near range area. So the dude was sensational. Yeah, man. I just, you know, I don't think he gets enough. He gets enough credit for that. Like his footwork was amazing. I think you know he was one of the he had one of the best shooting forms, if not the best shooting form I've ever seen. And the only reason why his his shooting percentage wasn't higher than what it was was because he took every shot because he thought he could he thought he was that good to where he could make every shot. Like LeBron's shooting percentage will always be higher than Kobe's. But LeBron doesn't take the, deg the degree of difficulty shots that Kobe took. Yeah, neither, neither he didn't take the difficulty of shots that Mike Jordan took either. Nah, he didn't. He didn't. He's he's a lot more conservative when it comes to his shot selection. And I think that made him, a, his percentage shooting-wise, better than he actually was shooting the basketball. Yeah, big time. Absolutely. Well, man, um... I definitely enjoyed having you, brother. Uh, we, we we got we got to do this again soon, man. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get you on the 
I absolutely not. You know, so I keep it posted about the draft and you know, how everything is moving forward, man. You know, take care of yourself and take it two points in myself. Yeah, man, same here, bro. And and let's yeah, let's do that. Uh, let's definitely get up after the draft, man, and we'll talk about Hunter and Kirk's uh, experience, and also what we'll talk about. We'll talk about you know their new situations. No, no doubt. Let's do it, man. So, two more things, bro. Before I let you go. Uh oh, two more things. Bro. One, let the people listening know where to find you, social media wise. Oh, okay, I'm on this. All my social media is my name. Hey, he does have great content. And and the second thing I'm gonna ask you, I need a recommendation. It could be a book recommendation. It could be a TV show recommendation. It could be a 30 for 30 recommendation. I need something to help me you. get through this quarantine. I got you. Book recommendation. The Power of Broke. Okay. What's, what's that about? It's a, about a guy who uh, started football. Okay. He's also on Shark Tank. So it's his story. Like the, the premise of the book is basically tell different stories. Not only himself, but it's also like snippets of other people and other people who have Okay, the power broke. I'm gonna definitely check that out. You know, especially since I had a FUBU jersey or two back in the day. Um, oh, wait, you had a FUBU jersey? I had about five of them. So it's all right, I, I had the black and white one, the NC one. <laughs> I had that I had that Carolina blue one. You know, I was always a, a Carolina blue guy. And then I had a, a navy one that faded into orange at the bottom. And it had the 05 on it. So you were looking like a, a dream show. Oh, man, I was looking terrible. I had my <laughs> hair growing out. Oh, man, I had it all, bro. I, I would walk around with a FUBU jersey. Bigger pants than I wear now, even though I was like a ninth grader. Um, yeah. I had I had uh, my hair grown out with a with a pick in the back of it, and I had a, a sweat man on for no reason. Like I wouldn't go anywhere to sweat. I just I just was walking around. It was terrible. Yeah, you love it. Hey, it's a great <laughs> time, man. Look forward to you going to post one of those pictures with those back Thursday, bro. Hey man, I'm, hey, I'm gonna go to Donaldsville and find one. All right, brother, you do the same. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Paul Darisell, CEO of C2 Sports Agency. And look, if y'all been listening all this time and y'all have enjoyed all these shows and especially this show with Paul, please hit subscribe and share with a friend. And we are out.